What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Hello, everyone, once again, and welcome to the HR Impact Show. I'm your host for today, CT from Engage Rocket. And today, we're really looking at quite an unusual topic. We've not covered this on the show before, but it's something that is and should be top of mind for many HR professionals. And the idea is really, how do you achieve a consistent HR approach that is focused around internal customer service? And in the studio today to talk with us about that is Ilda Andaluz. Ilda is the EVP of Global Human Resources at Varel, and they're a company that's based in Houston, Texas, and they are a global organization which operates across 20 different countries. Welcome to the show, Ilda. Hello, thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit more about Varel and, and your role in that company? Absolutely. Thank you. Our full name is Varel Energy Solutions, and we're based out of Houston, Texas. And as you just said, we operate in 20 countries. We manufacture consumable downhole product and drill bits for the energy sector. We have three main manufacturing plants one in Mexico, one in Saudi, and one in India. So globally, we're close to 2,000 employees. And my responsibility is to support HR globally into all of our main locations and making sure that we have a consistent approach, which I define it as delivering great customer service and being a great business partner to our internal clients. You've been in this role a little bit. What would you say is an achievement that you're most proud of so far? I've been in this role since 2019. I think what I'm most proud of about this team in particular is how we've worked together to transform HR from where it was to where it is today. It was very much uh, a department that was working in isolation where it was an HR group. It was an HR team. And together we have not only transformed the credibility of the department, but also the way in which we deliver HR. That's what I'm most proud of. What is a moonshot goal that you have for next year, over the next 12 months? That's a good question. There's so much that I want to do, but if I were to pick one right now, it would be how to integrate AI even more in our day-to-day HR functions that we do, especially the admin functions, so that we can be even more efficient and be quicker in our decision-making to support our clients. I love that. Yeah, that must be top of mind for many listeners today. (laughs) And what is the leadership or HR myth that you wish would just go away? There's so many. (laughs) There's so many myths that are out there. I think one that stand out to me is that one HR is easy or that HR has nothing to do with business. And the reality is that business goals rely on human productivity. And HR is that conduit to get there. So if businesses believe that employees are their greatest asset, well, an effective HR department is the path to ensure that you reach your business goals. And I think if you think of it that way, then people understand HR a lot more. 
And HR is tough. You're dealing with people. People are complicated. <laughs> They're not easy. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one because it's I, it's on both sides, both the business and within HR, having that understanding of mm-hmm. just how profound that connective tissue of people is in mm-hmm. business. And mm-hmm. it's so easy for us to forget because we have all these numbers on spreadsheets and, and PowerPoint decks. And it's so easy to forget how what the kind of people behind all of those numbers, their dreams, their aspirations, their personal lives. And all of that kind of mashes up together to create that outcome for everybody else and and create value. And if I think if HR forgets this, then the business forgets this. And Mm -hmm. then people then just, there are very few leaders out there who would be actively thinking about this on a day-to-day basis. And I think that is very pertinent to what we're going to discuss today, where Mm -hmm. HR taking a facilitator role in organizations where you're serving your internal customers and your internal clients and helping them to accomplish their goals with the mm-hmm. people that they have. So maybe at, at the very high level, if you could talk through how did you come upon this approach to thinking about HR and how has it evolved over time? I, th- I think for me, I am naturally a servant leader mindset leader. Like I'm naturally that ways how I like to lead. And I've learned that I've learned that throughout my years of experience in working in HR and having some great mentors in my life that have were great teachers and coaches in teaching me that HR is both business and people. And it's this fine dance between them. And how do you add value into the business? Because you can throw in lots of words of what, of what HR can do, but how do you actually demonstrate it that HR can add that value and it's through customer service? And I think that people think that customer service is a department. And it's not. It's a mindset. It's the way in which you lead and the way in which you make decisions. It's a way in which you have conversations. Coming into this organization, one of the first things that I looked at is looking at the HR department and what were people saying about the HR department when I first started? And that was a trigger for me saying, ah, okay, so this is an HR group. They're not working together. What do we need to do to bring the team to work together? And the first thing that I did was asking our stakeholders, some people call them stakeholders, I call them internal customers. What is it that they want from HR? What are their challenges in the businesses? And what are their goals that they'd want to try to achieve as well too? And I would gather that information to understand what does HR have to do to support that, to be a good, not only business partner, but to be able to provide service to help them with that. So one of the things that came up, for instance, when I spoke to clients were, we need a good reporting system. We don't know how many headcounts we have globally, or it takes too long to get a headcount report or any type of demographic information, or if we wanted quick information on people's compensation and so forth, just basic data was not there. So as a team, we looked at what's a good HRS system that we can use globally within our means. We are a small company, so within a budget that I can afford to do something. So we focus on that first. Then clients were saying, Recruitment is different in different countries. It's not the same. They're not getting the same speed, the same information, or it's one process in one country, a different process in another country, and it's get, it gets confusing to some clients because we have some clients that span across all the different cities that we support in. And it could be the same client that has employees in Mexico, same client will have an employee in Saudi, and then they felt that their experience was different. So we looked at what's our recruitment process? How do we do it in all these countries? And we looked at a through line, what are some commonalities that we can 
can do consistently across the different countries. How do we attract employees? How do we post our jobs? Like basic things like that. And then locally customize it of what we need to do. So there's different legislations in different countries that we have to be careful. Something simple, for example, in some countries, it's okay to receive a resume with your picture on top and saying that you're single or you're married, which you can't do in the U.S. What are those customizations that you need to do? Succession planning was another thing that came up as well, too. How do we focus on succession planning globally and not just locally? Because it was very U.S. focused at the time. Now, how do we do span it so that we can have more internal mobility, promoting internally? So we decided on using the nine box consistently across the board. I trained my team on how to use nine box in different languages as well, too, so that they can deliver it to their internal clients. On This is their new way of doing succession planning. Learning and development was another big thing that came up a lot. We didn't have a basis to start. There were past learning and development events or training that they had done, but it wasn't, and I keep putting emphasis on the word consistent. It wasn't consistent across the board. It was sporadic here and there, but it wasn't a strategy of what needed to be done across the board into all the organizations. So we noticed that middle management was weak. Middle management was not getting the training that they need. People get promoted into roles, but they don't get the training for it. Like, how do you lead teams? And I'm a big believer in to be a good leader, you need to know yourself first and to understand on how you like to lead. So then you can determine what type of training you need as that type of leader. As I mentioned to you, I know that I'm a servant leader. So what type of training do I need to be a servant leader? But what are my gaps as well, too, that I don't see because that's my mindset. So we decided on focusing on DISC as being our basis. And we brought in a leader to basically give us DISC training. But then I also had my team to be certified in DISC so that they can go out and deliver that training internally themselves because I wanted them to believe in it themselves and for them to understand themselves as, as well too. And that was our basis for training. And from there, we added different type of training and always relating it back to DISC so that people can understand how it all relates. So it's not just a one and done training. And it was a consistent approach. Now, how does this relate back to DISC on what you're learning? I'll give you an example. We partnered with Franklin Covey because Franklin Covey has training in different languages. We decided that we were going to do the same training across the board. It's called the Six Critical Practices for leading a team. So just very basic. So what do leaders need to know? What are those six practices you need to know on how to lead a team? People really enjoyed it. We had a really great response from that. And it was all done online. It's very intriguing the way that you've approached this and the order in which you've listed out some of these things. You started out talking about a, a little bit of the reporting friction mm -hmm. that your clients were facing like, internally. And then moving on a little bit to the hiring and recruitment funnel, getting that talent pipeline in, and then moving on to succession planning, leadership development, learning and development and training. I was curious, when you first enter an HR organization that is very transactional, very, I would say, tactical and operational, this is just a theory I'm, I have right now based mm -hmm. on what you're saying, mm -hmm. that the first things that your client are going to say is fix the plumbing before we get into the poetry. And then once you fix that, then they started to demand more of you. Is that the experience that you've had? Did you find any differences in the client conversations you had when you first entered the organization versus a year or two years down the line? Oh, absolutely. At first, it wouldn't give me a time of day because they didn't understand what HR could do. They didn't understand what we can deliver, what value. So it was important for me to get small wins at the beginning. And it wasn't a small win, to be honest with you. When we got our HRS, that was a huge win for our organization because it had never been done at a global scale for us. And the other thing that we had done is I spent a lot of time with my team on 
getting them to understand what customer service meant. I needed their buy-in first so they can understand why these small wins were going to be important. Part of my vision was to build credibility in the department, really. And for us to see, if we say we're going to do it, we're going we're gonna to be delivering. And that creates, okay, what else could you deliver? And they didn't know what else we could deliver. They have an idea, but like most people think HR is very transactional. We're just there to take attendance or to just fire people. <laughs> or they know we do recruitment, but they never, they're not really sure that there's actually a strategy to recruit. It's not, you don't just post a job and then suddenly just people just show up at your door and that's it. So yeah, it was interesting because it was small conversations at a time, building that trust over, over time and building a, a team that understood that as well too. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. That is such a nice analogy to a kind of client services team. If you're, if you're in professional services, that is pretty much how you have to think about a client relationship. You have to think about, first of all, getting the baseline trust factor worked out and then slowly begin to deliver more and more value and almost lead your client into new areas of value that they would not have imagined before. How did you think about this approach and evolving the organization and the clients that you are serving along this journey to realize greater value in HR? I think it's, it was in demonstrating to them on what we can deliver and what's possible for the business and always linking it to the business goals. So everything that we are doing in HR, it's not just ad hoc. It has to link back to the strategy of the business and adding the value to that strategy. So the goal of our business has been to grow our business and to make it more attractive to other investors. How do you make it more attractive from an HR perspective? It's through the people, making sure that you've got high caliber people, that it's a good team that are resilient. That's really good. And what kind of communication, training did you have to work with them on in order that the whole department was on the same page about what this approach meant? So I took my first year to really evaluate the department and really understand every member of my team and really understand what their strengths and their areas of opportunity is going to be. I didn't come in and change the HR team. This is the team that I inherited. And so I needed to understand what their strengths were, first of all, and how did I buy into them and understand their background at what is their mentality about HR? Because everybody gets taught HR differently or falls into HR differently. Like I myself, I did not choose HR <laughs> by a happy accident that I fell into HR. And everybody's experience in HR is different. So I needed to understand, do they have a more transactional approach to HR? Do they have a more leadership approach to HR? Do they have a more traditional mentality of, of the team? But also, what are the strengths that they bring to the table? I first assessed my team that first year. By year two, I brought everybody together and we focus on defining what is our mission and vision for HR. So they had gotten to know me for a year. They had gotten to see little wins that we did. And I explained to them, how do we get HR to the next level in this organization? And what's our mission and vision? But to get there, we talked a lot about customer service. What does customer service mean to them? What is their definition about customer service? Because again, most people think that customer service is a department or it's just for hospitality or it's for retail. And I talk a lot about customer service as a way of being, a, a mindset, a way of delivering 
service internally. We focus on a book called Customer Rules. They're essential rules for delivering great customer service, and it's written by Lee Cockrell. Now, it's a really U.S. focus because customer service is a very North American style and way of thinking. Why it was important for me to bring it to all of the locations is precisely that, because Customer service is not seen the same way in Mexico as it is in Saudi, as it is in India. Yes, customer service is understood, but it looks different. For example, uh, I like giving the example of Disney. Like Disney, everybody's so happy and jolly and stuff. If you look at the Germans, that's not how they are, right? They like that. They wouldn't like a customer service that way. So you have to adapt to where you're working and your location and so forth. But there's some basic things that look the same. Everybody wants a quick response. Everybody don't, don't want to hear no, they want to hear solutions. So we focus on that book. And as I mentioned, we also focus on well, what it's going to be our mission and our vision. And I had the team come together and we spent a full day working on that. And I wanted the team to come up themselves with what that mission and vision was going to be. Not me feeding into them, feeding it to them, but them really pulling it out of them and what does it look like for them. And they came up with, and I'm going to read it to you, they came up with that our mission and vision is to be a trusted HR business partner by empowering employees to achieve exceptional performance. That's what they decided. And then we've been using that every year. And we, we review it every year. Usually in January, we kick it off and we say, is this still our mission and vision? Is this still aligned with who we are as a department? And they say either yes or no, or we do we need to fix anything, change to anything? And that's how we kick off the year by that. I've also bring up customer service and every in every meeting that we have as a team, I bring it up and how does it relate to the customers? How are your customers doing? How are you having conversations with your customers? So I always bring it up so that it's not just a one and done session or one and done language. So we use that language constantly. We also did a workshop on business partner and how it relates to customer service. I, I speak about if you go to a McDonald's, people love the experience of McDonald's or Starbucks, whatever retail experience you want to talk about, that are global. If you go to a McDonald's in Mexico, for instance, or one in the U.S., the experience will be the same, but the menu might look different. You might have tacos or burritos in Mexico. You might have a burger or something in the U.S. But again, the experience is the same. That's how HR needs to be is that, that that experience, that customer service experience should be the same, but you, you localize it a little bit more. I, I want to dig into a little bit of the, the challenges because I'd imagine that not only are you introducing a new approach to HR, this also introduces new demands mm -hmm. on every single HR professional because now to be that client-focused, one of the critical things that they need to do from what I'm hearing is they need to truly understand the business goals mm -hmm. and truly understand why those goals are important. And then to pull from that, where can HR contribute? Was that a challenge? Because it, mm -hmm. it's a whole new domain that this, the team suddenly has to grapple with. Now I need to understand. And I'm just about trying to understand HR and all of a sudden I've got to now understand the whole business. Did you find any, any challenges working with that? It's still a challenge. I think it's a challenge that never leaves. So one is... I also ask our clients all the time. I ask for feedback all the time to our clients. So I ask them, how's my team doing? If they go and they visit a particular country, I always ask them to go meet the HR team and speak to them. So one, but also I always evaluate the team on what is it that they need to do better? So one of the things that we decided on is a specific training for the, our own HR department because our team has changed. I realized that the way that I look at this is not for everybody. I've had some people leave. I've had some new joiners. We've had to structure the department differently so that it aligns with giving good customer service. So that has changed as well too. And so it, it takes time 
in spending time with the HR department and training and coaching internally. So you really have to invest within your team. It's not, as I keep saying, a one and done. You can't just have a meeting at the beginning of the year and expect that everything's going to fall together for the rest of the year. So one of the decisions that we made as a team is deciding to train everybody with, for instance, an HR Academy. It's called uh, Academy for Innovation HR. It's an online uh, platform that I really enjoy. And I've seen success with that in the past with other companies that I've worked in. So I asked my HR journalists that they all had to take the basic HR business partner training, for instance. And again, for that consistency, right? So regardless of the country that they're in, I'm like, this is the level of HR that we need to be at. This is the training that will determine to you of how you should be delivering HR. And then I challenge them and ask them, now that you've taken the training, how are your conversations different with your customers? And I keep challenging my directors, like, how are you making sure that your team is consistently delivering good customer service, that they're following what we've learned and so forth? So it's up to me to keep pushing on and keep asking those questions. So it's pushing them constantly to be like, well, hold on a second. Why are you doing them this way when you know the goal is to do it this other way? They're like, I forgot about that. Okay, let me go back. And is it's giving them enough grace to make mistakes. I don't expect perfection at all for many of my team, but I do expect for, for them to always be thinking in this way. So it's up to me to keep challenging them in every conversation that I have with them. It's a lot of work. It's not yeah. easy. You not only have to give good customer service to your clients, but you always have to make sure that your team is always on top of it, always training them, always coaching them so that they don't revert back to the old way of thinking of HR. It's a journey that sounds critical that you have to take mm -hmm. in HR unless you're content with the function being seen as administrative, process-driven, and very transactional. So I think elevating HR in the way that you have takes a lot of effort, and it's really quite the journey. And in the course of this conversation alone, I think our listeners would, would be able to pick out exactly how deep you need to go to, to effect this kind of transformation. I, I'm sure it's still a, a work in progress, but congratulations to you and your team for pulling together so effectively over the last few years. If you could summarize almost everything that you've seen and done into some kind of framework or a checklist for any HR leader that is thinking about embarking on such a journey, how would you do? I think what works well for me has been to truly understand your HR team first. That's where it comes first, understanding them, invest, investing in them, and you need to be a role model for them. You have to believe, you have to live and breathe what you're asking them to do. You can't be a leader that just asks them to do and you behave in a different way. And always making sure that you're uplifting your team, even when they're not in the room with you. When I go into meetings with my executives or anything else, I'm always uplifting my team and always staying, praising my team of all the great things that they're doing and all the great things that they can do and deliver, even if we haven't delivered it yet. Because you got to always be building credibility. That that book that I was telling you about says that building credibility is very important. And it says something, I might misquote it, it says you win a customer one at a time, but you lose them a thousand times. If you, if you lose your credibility, you'll lose them always. So it's like that small wins are important. You make one mistake and you can lose a thousand customers. So it's okay if you make that mistake. Now, how quickly do you turn around? And what do you do as a leader when someone in your member has made a mistake? So it's always uplifting them as well too. So I always think about that, but knowing your team and always making sure that you're investing in your team, showing in that you care about their development and they will go a long way from you. It's very obvious uh, how much of a servant leader you are because that, that whole strategy that you've put together and are executing, is, it's so team-focused. 
knowing your team, yeah. uh, investing in them, being that role model for them, and uplifting them when they're not in the room with you. I think those are very important takeaways. I would say not just for HR but for any leader hoping to drive Absolutely. any kind of change. So yeah. thank you so much, Ilda. If if people wanted to find you to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to do? They can find me on LinkedIn. I'll answer any email or any contact to LinkedIn. They can tell me that they saw me here on your podcast and I'd be more than happy to speak with them. Thank you so much for hanging with us today, Ilda. And for those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. For more great insights and leadership tips, please head on over to www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact and you'll see a repository of all the different conversations we've had with leaders. You'll get updates on new conversations that are coming through and all the frameworks that we've talked about will be included into the show notes. So thank you so much, all of you, once again for listening. I've been CT and it's been a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.